Most people fail because they don't have a plan of action. Most people don't plan to fail, but they fail to plan. That was Pastor Tay Shin talking once again on persistence. In the last podcast episode, we introduced the dilemma of persistence. It's hard to keep focused and stay on track with change. It's easy to fall back, give up, or make excuses. In this podcast episode, we get into the meat of the matter. Pastor Tate talks about the strategy of persistence and lays out the three steps you need to take in order to persevere and persist in the fight. This is a two-part teaching series, and we're on part two. You're listening to the Overcoming Porn podcast. Let's get it. Welcome to the Overcoming Porn Podcast, where it's all about helping you flee temptation, overcome porn, and live in lasting victory over sexual sin from a biblical perspective. Produced by the Titus II Institute. Hello and welcome to the show, and I am your host, George, from the Titus II Institute, and we are a ministry dedicated to building up the next generation through counseling, coaching, and building online schools. And brothers, you are listening to episode 20 of the Overcoming Porn podcast, and we praise God for all of the work that he has done through these 20 episodes ever since we started in October of 2020. It has been a blessing to make these, and I hope that you guys have been blessed by the podcasts. If you have been blessed in any way, uh, if you could please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or give us a subscribe and like on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, that would be amazing. And we definitely want to give a welcome and a thanks to our long-term listeners, and to those who are just catching this for the first time, thank you for taking time out of your day to uh, listen to us and to learn about how you can or how you can help someone else overcome this uh, destructive sin. And brothers, before we get into today's episode, I do want to Uh, bring your attention to the Overcoming Porn Blueprint, which is the four-step strategy that you need to implement in your life in order to overcome porn and live in lasting freedom over sexual sin. And this is uh, a blueprint that we teach all of our men in the Titus II Overcoming Porn community, which is an exclusive community that we host. But this free resource is open for anyone out there who needs some direction, some clarity uh, on how to defeat this sin. And right now it comes with a 10-day email companion course, which actually walks you through step by step, day by day, in very small actionable steps, how you can implement this and make lasting changes in your life. 
and brothers, today we are on episode 20 and we are continuing the series that we started last time on persistence. And specifically, today we are talking about the strategy of persistence because it really does take planning, it takes intentionality, and it takes thoughtfulness in order to persevere and persist in this fight. And Pastor Tay has a wonderful three-step guide and much wisdom to share with us today. It is a long one, which is uh, kind of rare for him. And so let's get right into it. This is part two of Persistence. Hello, friend. My name is Tay Shen, founder of the Titus II Institute. And this is part two of a two-part set on persistence. So if you are listening to this, which is part two, and you have not listened to part one, stop this audio and go find part one and start there and then come back. Well, let's get started with part two. Persistence, as you know, is the choice to press on despite the difficulty and failures. It's the choice not to give up no matter how many times you have failed. Again, you are listening to part two of a two-part set. And here, we will pick up where we left off in part one. I'm not going to review part one. You're going to have to go back to part one for that. So let's get started. Here in part two, we will talk about the third major issue in persistence, which is, number three, the strategy of persistence. So, to call it a strategy is to confirm that persistence is a plan of action. To call it a strategy is to believe that persistence is something you execute with a plan and not just something you feel inside you, like some emotion that tells you not to give up. You know, there are so many audios and videos out there that uh, try to whip up some sense or some feeling or give you some inspirational thought share an inspirational story for about uh, a person who didn't give up. And these resources give you the feeling that persistence is just a feeling that must be whipped up. But I'm here to tell you that it is so much more than that. That it actually involves a strategy, a plan of action. Now this might be a new way of thinking for you. And if it is, you are not alone. I don't think the world thinks of persistence this way. That's obvious from all the resources out there that talk about it like an emotion. In fact, just search online for a strategy of persistence and you'll find almost nothing. Actually, I didn't find anything. The topic simply does not exist. And if it doesn't exist, that means that people are not thinking about it this way. And maybe that is why most people are not persistent. So here in part two, we will talk about the strategy of persistence. And if it is a strategy, we should talk about the steps in that strategy, a plan of action. And since it is a plan of action, allow me to outline that plan and be clear about how to execute that plan. Sounds like a plan? Well, let's get started. So I hope you're taking notes. I'm going to outline clear steps for you, and I hope that you start immediately to execute this plan. 
This plan is a three-step strategy. I will introduce all three, but it will be really just an introduction. In fact, each of these steps can be a major lesson or audio by itself, but we only have time to introduce these three. Now, as we get started, please note that each of the three points begins with the keyword choose. Choose. Because each of these three steps is a choice that you must make. Always remember the power of choice that you have as a Christian. You are not stuck in your current situation. God's will is that you exercise your power of choice. And He will strengthen you along the way. In fact, He has given you the Holy Spirit who resides inside you and is empowering you towards that change. And with that, let's get started. Here is strategy number one. Again, there's a total of three. Number one, choose to become persistent. Choose to become persistent. The key word is choose. Always remember the power of choice that you have. No matter how difficult your circumstances are, you can still choose to do the right thing. So, you can choose to become more persistent. Now, this comes down to your values. Is that change important to you? How important is it? How badly do you want that change? Is it okay if you don't get that change? Is it okay just to try? Is it okay just to get some brownie points for trying? Or is the change a must-have. Most people want the change, but it's okay if the change does not come. How much do you want that change? Most people say that they are desperate for a change, but they really did not make a commitment to that change. This is proven by the fact that people just live with their problems. Tell me, how long have you lived with your problem? In fact, studies show that people, on average, live with their problems up to eight years. What about you? How long have you lived with your problem? More than eight years? Some people, more than 20 years. Sorry to say, but that shows that people really are not committed to the change. They want the change, but are not willing to make the decision to make that change. Again, number one, you must choose to become persistent. It's a solid decision you must make. I'm not going to talk about a desire for change, but a decision to change. In fact, the word decide has a very powerful etymology. It comes from the Latin word to cut, as it makes a decision to cut something out of your life not a half-hearted desire for that change. So in your heart of hearts, you must make that choice. Like Jacob, who wrestled with God in Genesis 32, and said to God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Like the persistent widow in Luke 18, who demanded justice from the judge, she made the choice not to give up in demanding for it. And this is, not an easy decision to make because it's going to cost you a lot to make that change. 
your decision to change must count the cost for making that change. The cost is really a sacrifice of your current lifestyle, a lifestyle that you are comfortable with. Though you don't like it, you are certainly comfortable with it. But this choice you must make involves a sacrifice. Are you willing to make that sacrifice? There is a cost to making that change. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, 28, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? So, sit down and estimate the cost. What are you going to give up? What are you willing to pay? Or, I should say, are you willing to pay that price? So this choice involves paying a huge price, but you placed great value on this choice, and that's why you chose to do it. Number one, you, you must choose to become persistent. This is the first step. The second step is choose to renew your mindset. Again, the key word is choose. Choose to renew your mindset. Always remember the power of choice that you have. No matter how difficult your circumstances, you can still choose to do the right thing. So you must choose to renew your mindset. So after you choose number one to become persistent, you must choose number two to renew your mindset. Because here's the truth. Once you make the choice to make a change, your mind immediately starts messing with you because your mind is still stuck in the old ways. Your mind is comfortable in the old ways. New decisions are uncomfortable and your mind does not like it. You've experienced this. Once you choose, for example, to stop eating junk food, your mind starts playing with you. You immediately start having nostalgic thoughts about the junk food and it's only been an hour. And so your mind starts making all kinds of excuses and you start thinking about going back to the junk food. Ever had that experience? You know, like um, thinking, junk food ain't so bad. It's okay to have just a little bit. In other words, your decision to stay away from it is starting to weaken. Same thing with porn. Once you choose to stop watching it, your mind immediately starts playing with you. Your mind starts thinking about the satisfaction that comes from it. And your mind starts making all kinds of excuses. Oh, just uh, one more time. Or it's no use. You're going to fail. So why even try? In fact, you probably have experienced this in every major change you try to make. Your mind starts working against you. The point is that your mind immediately becomes the battleground and you might lose before you even begin. Let me say that again. The point is that your mind immediately becomes the battleground and you might lose before you even begin. And this battle inside you is a very serious problem simply because the mind is the control center for all behaviors. So we're talking about your mind uh, being the headquarters and it being unable to process and actually 
starts working against the change you want to make. How crazy is that? So a key strategy is becoming persistent in choosing to renew your mindset. Your mind is stuck in the old ways of thinking. So you can't bring in new behavior with an old mindset. New behavior comes from a renewed mindset. But you have to choose to renew it. Um, let me remind you of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, which says, Take every thought captive. Well, let me say that again. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Notice how aggressive this verse is. Like a military maneuver in your head. The analogy kind of fits with our expression that the mind is a battleground. And so you have to fight a military battle to renew your mind to make it obedient to Christ. Some Christians think that it's much simpler. You know, Christ said it, the Bible said it, and so I agree with it and that's it. But it's not that simple. You have to win the battle for your mind. So allow me to outline three ways to renew your mindset. The first way is substitution. You must substitute your old ways of thinking with the new way of thinking. Substitute the non-Christian thoughts with Christian thoughts. For example, do you think, well, I can't change. It's just too hard. Do you ever say to yourself, I tried and tried and it's no use. Or, I guess I'm just born this way. Or, something is wrong with me. I am sick. I can't change. Or, I tried everything to change. Nothing works. Do you ever think, I'm just a sinner and there's nothing I can do about it. Or, all my life I have failed at everything. No use trying. Do you ever think, every setback is just too painful. I don't want to try again. Or, my failures are a sign that I should just give up. So the first step is to substitute this unbiblical thinking with biblical ones. You know, for, renew your mind to believe. For example, I am not stuck in my life, but God will finish the work he started in me. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. My ungodly behavior can change into godly ones. Also, I can train myself to be godly. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. And my failures do not define me. I am a child of God. And I am not an old dog who can't learn new tricks. And I, when I get knocked down, I can get back up. And when I fail, I can learn from my failures. Also, from my failures, I can find new ways to succeed. So the first way to renew your mind is through substitution. Substitute the non-Christian thoughts with Christian ones. Now, there are three ways to renew your mind. The second way is interruption. 
And by the way, the first way was substitution. Let's talk about the second way, which is interruption. You must interrupt your old ways of thinking so that your mind no longer settles into those thoughts. Remember that the old ways are so ingrained that you keep thinking that way. And without realizing it, you are constantly dwelling on the old thoughts. You have to break that old pattern of thinking. If you have, for example, painful memories, it's easy to dwell on the past pains. If you have a habit of lusting, it's easy to dwell on lustful thoughts. If you have, for example, a habit of anger, it's easy to dwell on the things that anger you. If you are struggling with anxiety, it's so easy to dwell on your fears and anxieties. The point is, you must interrupt the negativity. You must stop your mind from dwelling on the unbiblical thoughts. This requires a heroic choice that you have to make. And by making this choice, you are breaking the pattern of sinful thinking or breaking the habit of simple thinking, a sinful, not simple, sinful thinking that is blocking your change and growth. Martin Luther said, you cannot keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. I like that. Let me say that again. Luther said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. In other words, you do have the power of choice to keep yourself from dwelling on sinful thoughts. And so the process of interruption will slowly break the bondage of sinful thinking and provide an opportunity to renew your mind. Uh, again, um, there's so much more that we can say about you know, how you do that, but it's important for you to understand that interrupting that momentum, that flow of negative thoughts is very important. Again, there are three ways to renew your mind. Now, there are more than three ways, but we're trying to keep it sim uh, simple here. <laughs> I keep messing up the two words, sinful and simple. <laughs> but um, I want to say, let's keep it simple. All right, so we covered two ways so far to renew your mind. The, the first is substitution. The second is interruption. And here is the third way, which is reminders. Again, the first way is substitution. The second way is interruption. And now the third way is reminders. You must make a choice to set up recurring reminders to focus on the right things that renew your mind. I mean, the simple truth is we need constant reminders to focus on the right things. Uh, scripture itself, you know, as we read it, is a powerful reminder of how we should think. For example, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And we all need constant reminders to think 
about such things. And so it will be profitable to set up recurring reminders to think about such things. Again, your mind is not used to doing that. We're not in the habit of doing that. And so we're going to need constant reminders to focus on the right things, which will slowly train your mind to think this new way. Now, there are many creative ways to set up recurring reminders, such as strategically placed notes or picture frames, like people put Bible verses uh, in their bathroom walls or in their hallways or wherever you you will constantly see it. You know, people put uh, notes in places where they're going to see it on a regular basis. You know, inspirational thoughts, tips, and Bible verses. So feel free to be creative. Whatever works for you. Then there's your phone. Most phones can set up recurring reminders that pop up visually and with sound notifications or even setting up alarms several times in a day. That's something, I mean, I use my phone a lot for constant reminders throughout the day. You know that you can even name your alarms or write notes inside the reminders. I find that very helpful. This is a very practical way to remind yourself of life-changing truths that you need to hear all the time. You know, one person said that his negative and destructive thoughts rush into his mind as soon as he wakes up. One advice I gave him was to set up an alarm to go off five minutes before he normally gets up and name that alarm with a biblical truth that speaks against the destructive thoughts that usually wake him up. And so the new biblical truth goes off as a daily alarm that speaks against the old ways of thinking that wakes him up every day. I wish I had more time to talk about this, but we must move on. There you have it, the three ways to renew your mind. The first way is substitution. The second way is interruption. And the third way is reminders. Of course, there is so much more. But it's important that you have a plan of action that includes a choice to renew your mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so much more. In fact, this key strategy on renewing your mind deserves its own platform, its own audio. And uh, I'm actually working on a totally separate audio on renewing your mind. In other words, a Christian mindset. And I hope to make that available for you very soon. And so as a review um, with the three-step strategy, uh, number one is choose to become persistent. Two is choose to renew your mindset. And then three, choose a clear plan of action. Now we're talking about persistence, okay? Hope you stay focused with the big picture here. We're talking about how to become persistent. It's not just an emotion, but it requires an execution of an actual plan or strategy. Again, number one was choose to become persistent. 
Number two is choose to renew your mindset. And three, choose a clear plan of action. Choose a clear plan of action. The key word is choose. Always remember the power of choice that you have, that no matter how difficult your circumstance, you can still choose to do the right thing. So you must choose a clear plan of action. One of the most, one of the biggest uh, mistakes in the pursuit of persistence is the failure to make a plan of action. Not just a plan, but a plan of action. What are your action steps? Real steps, practical steps in your pursuit of change. If you can't spell it out quickly and clearly, you don't have a plan of action and your persistence will probably whimper out very quickly. In fact, I dare say that step three is the big reason why people succeed or fail. Most people fail because they don't have a plan of action. Most people don't plan to fail, but they fail to plan. And so as a result, they don't do anything. No plan, no action, no action, no change. So step number three is needed, and you need to make an action plan. And so allow me to give you three ways to develop an action plan. The first way is to identify the exact change. Now, this sounds very general, but it's actually very important. It's uh, again, the first way is to identify the exact change. Now, people just don't do this. They make general and vague statements about getting better or trying harder. And that's why there's no change. You might know the problem you have with anger or porn or overeating, but it's not enough to generally know the problem. You have to actually identify the exact change that you must make. You can't just say, well, I'm going to be better or I'm just going to try. That's not going to cut it. We need to identify the exact change. Let me give you some examples. For example, anger. It's not enough to say, I will chill out and uh, not get angry. That's not enough. You have to identify the ways the anger is coming out. You got to identify the applications of that anger. So you need to identify when and how you get angry. For example, here's very something very specific. Every day at six o'clock, and by the way, this is a real example that came up in counseling. Every day at six o'clock, you come home from work and you snap at your family because of the stress you bring home from work. So there you go. You've identified a specific change you need to make. You need to focus on uh, stopping uh, to snap or stop snapping at your family at 6 o'clock. That's a specific change that you are now focusing on. Okay, So you see, change happens when you attack the applications of a sin. Another example, porn. Every night at 10 p.m., you lay in bed with your phone by your side and you reach for it to watch porn. You've identified a specific change you need to make. Stop reaching for your phone and watching porn at 10 p.m. 
And again, that might lead to other specific changes like where you might want to put that form of phone so that it's not reachable or convenient. I mean, there's specific applications that are different for each person. The point is, change happens when you attack the applications of a sin. So make a list of exact things to change. Don't just say, I need to get better, because you won't, unless you identify the exact change you must make. So the first way is to identify the exact change you must make. You see, change happens when you attack the applications of a sin. That's the first way of developing an action plan, to identify the exact change. Number two, or the second way, is to make a schedule. You must actually put it in a real schedule. If it's not in your schedule, you know, it won't get done. Most people need an actual schedule. I should say all people need. If it's not in your schedule, two things will happen. First, you'll forget about it until the next time you mess up or fail. Second, your other routines throughout your day and your week will take over your schedule or your, your goals that you think you're making and you won't have time to do the change strategies. Then you start making excuses like, I'm so busy or I don't have time. The truth is, no one has time. You have to make time. I'm not going to tell you exactly how to make a schedule. That's up to you. And that's different with each person. As long as it works for you. So make a daily schedule of what you're going to do. Set up pop-up reminders and alarms. Whatever works for you. Now, put it in a schedule. What that means is that it's important and non-negotiable. So don't just casually put it in your schedule if you're not committed to executing it. Because there are a lot of people that put things in their schedule and then promptly ignore the schedule or move the item to another day. You can't do that. If it's in your schedule, you must honor and respect it and commit to do it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, that just came to my mind from Matthew chapter 5. In other words, you make up your mind to do it and be a man of your word or a woman of your word and, and stick to it. So putting it in your schedule means you are going to do it on a regular basis. In fact, put it in your schedule and set it up as a recurring reminder, a daily exercise, if you will. And uh, that is the truth. Daily exercising is the key to change. And I'm not just talking about physical change, but I'm talking about spiritual things that can be described as a daily exercise. For example, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, Train yourself to be godly. That word train is where we get the English word gymnasium. Actually, the Greek word is gymnazo, which where we get gymnasium and, and gym. It was an Olympic term that conjured up images of working hard and training for the Olympics. And how the athletes made a daily schedule to change and uh, fine-tune their bodies, identifying areas that they needed to change and then scheduling those changes 
to happen in their lives. That's what we need to do. That's how we need to approach the changes in our lives. If you understand that, then you understand the real problem. The real problem is that most of us don't schedule our changes. In fact, most people just wish that they had a change, but then do nothing about it. If you are committed to change, then you must schedule that change and train yourself to be godly. So these are the three ways, or there are three ways, I should say, to develop an action plan. The first way is to uh, identify the exact change you must make. The second way is to make a schedule for that change. And now the third way is to set target dates. Now, don't take it too literally that every change must have an exact date for that change. You know, life doesn't work that way where, you know, it has to be on that Tuesday or Wednesday, when it, especially when it comes to spiritual things. You know, changes take time. But having said that, you still need to set goals and target dates. If you have no goals or target dates, then you're just spinning around and going nowhere. But once you start setting goals and start tracking something, then you are going somewhere and improving. Now stay with me. I'm going to explain this, okay? Your mind and your heart are turned to that goal and your energy is then given to it. Now think about all the times you had success. It was when you set target dates and goals. Think about, for example, going on a mission trip. Think about how your missions team sets the date to go. And then you're committed to that date. Then you begin to execute all the steps necessary to hit that target date, such as planning your teaching, preparing your supplies, holding team meetings, buying the plane ticket because you're committed to that date, right? Making presentations to the church, recruiting other people to the team. All of these things are, are happening because you have set a target date. Point is, always be mindful of a target date. And you did that with a mission trip or otherwise, you know, it would be ridiculous to say we're going on a mission trip, but there's no date, there's no time, there's no team, there's no plan. That's ridiculous. You would not do that. But that seems to be the way people approach their lives with no plan, no target dates. And you can't do that. Now think about all the things in your life that had no target dates. Okay, the mission's trip is actually the good example but think about your life where there are no target dates or goals and you started strong but you eventually stopped doing it because there's no goals there you're not working towards anything well even spiritual things require some sense of goals and direction and targets hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You see that phrase, though by this time you ought to be teachers. You see, the writer of Hebrews had a goal. 
a target. And he is disappointed that the people did not reach those goals. The assumption is that he spelled out those goals to them and that they kind of forgot or or never really set those goals clearly. That they were set to grow and become teachers, but they remained as elementary students. It's a serious problem of just living the Christian life, or I should say just existing with no goals and not going anywhere subsequently. So here's how you apply this. You must set some clear goals and target dates. Where are you going? What do you want to accomplish by a certain date? Again, give or take a day or a week. It's not trying to be literal here, but um, here's an example. Maybe your goal is to become a teacher or a mentor. And uh, that's actually an important truth because it's not good to just remain in your elementary level of Christianity. You know, you set a goal and then you tell your leaders about it that you want to be, for example, a teacher or a leader of a small group by a certain time. That you're going to be, for example, a one-on-one mentor. You know, maybe that's why we don't have enough mentors because nobody sets the goal for it. That you're going to, for example, overcome porn by a certain time and then you're going to mentor others to do that and then you'll be able to do the Titus 2 dynamic of older teaching the younger. And by setting a target date and letting others know about it, you have a better chance of meeting those goals. Does that make sense? You know, think about the spiritual goals of overcoming anger or overcoming porn or whatever problem that you have. You got to have some sort of goal. You know, what are you going to do once you've accomplished it? How do you even know that you've accomplished it? So there you go. You have the three ways to develop an action plan. The first was to identify the exact change you must make. The second is to make a schedule for that change. And the third is to set target dates. So now it's the time to take out a piece of paper or your phone and write down your game plan. And by applying these three ways, you will make progress towards real change. And by doing so, you will learn how to become more persistent. Again, persistence towards change, not just persistence for some vague general or just for persistence sake. It's about bringing about the changes in your life and how most people quit. But, you know, you got to understand that it's more than just an emotion, but an actual strategy. That's what this audio was all about. Well, in conclusion, all of these are tips and biblical applications for the strategy of persistence. Now, some people are born with a great drive and resilience and and, and have a style of creating goals and dates. Others are born with less drive and less resilience and, and don't have a style of creating goals and target dates. The truth is, it doesn't matter what you're born with or not. All that matters is you start working hard because whether you're born with it or not, you still have to work hard. You still have to create the style. You still have to execute a plan. 
you still have to plan out the strategy of persistence. Make sense? Now let's all get to work and not give up. <laughs> In fact, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. And if I can help you in any way, you are welcome to contact me. So as a conclusion to both part one and part two, okay, remember you are listening right now to part two of a two-part set on the strategy of persistence. Make sure that you listen to part one and stitch these two together. And again, if you need help in putting together a strategy, contact a mentor or you can contact me as well. So may God strengthen you towards a more productive and consistent journey of being, uh, or I should say becoming more persistent towards your greater godliness. Well, brothers, we hope that that was helpful and insightful for you in the fight because we know that persistence is a very important aspect of your journey to freedom. And so, brothers, I encourage you to persist and persevere in this fight, to listen to the steps and to implement the steps that you heard in this podcast. And I hope and pray that you can uh, run the long race and finish well in this fight against this sin. We'll see you next time on the show. And remember, the victory is ours. Hey brothers, are you struggling with porn? Have you tried time and time again to leave it behind, but you keep falling into the same cycle of committing sin, feeling immense shame, getting back up at square one, only to fall again? And all along the way, you feel like you're dying a slow death. If so, then I invite you to check out the Titus 2 Overcoming Porn community. The Titus 2 Overcoming Porn community is the exclusive online membership community for dedicated men who want to cut off pornography and live in lasting freedom over sexual sin. So whether you're falling daily into pornography and masturbation, or you have made good progress and you are just looking for further growth and accountability, then the Overcoming Porn community is perfect for you. Our membership community combines teaching, counseling, accountability, and community to give you everything you need to overcome porn. You will be plugged into a powerful community of men who understand your struggle and who have the ability to mentor, encourage, and empower you on your journey to freedom. We will be with you every step of the way. So check it out at Titus 2 Institute. That's Titus with the number 2 Institute.com forward slash overcoming porn. Overcoming porn has a hyphen in between. That's Titus 2 Institute.com forward slash overcoming dash porn. And remember, brothers, the victory is ours. Thank you for listening to the Overcoming Porn podcast. We hope that this podcast and our other resources can equip you to find freedom over porn and lust. Please visit Titus 2 Institute. That's Titus with the number 2, institute.com 
for all of our other resources.